0: Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story, and we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and then verses 19 through 28. I invite you, if you want to, pull out your own mobile device or uh, your own Bible, and, or you can just read the words that are, as they're found on the screen behind me. But as I'm reading from John chapter 1, again, these words are very familiar to you. I, I want to invite you to really be listening for a couple of things. This almost sounds like John is an attorney. I say this because I'm married to an attorney, and so sometimes I know to listen to certain key words. But listen as as I read these words or as you read along, what kind of words might you expect to hear in a court of law? So listen to these words and think about what words might you expect to hear in a court of law. Hear now these words, John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and then 19 through 28. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed. And did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. They said to him, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who have sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Why then are you baptizing, if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I imagine all of us probably have some favorite Christmas traditions, right? I mean, all of us have certain things that every year, Christmas would not be Christmas if we did not get to experience and live out some of those traditions. For some of you, maybe it's decorating your house. How many people go uh, Clark Griswold and decorate the outside of your house? Anybody? do Do I see any? I see one hand. Not many people. Okay, we got a little bit, maybe not quite the level of Clark Griswold's but for me that's one of those things I want to make sure that I decorate something on the outside of my house uh, letting the light shine out into the darkness and so that's one of my personal Christmas traditions maybe for some of you you have certain things that you bake or make for Christmas around Christmas anybody have certain Christmas treats that you like to make Christmas cookies maybe a gingerbread house uh, these are some of those kind of traditions that we live into each year. Maybe it's family gatherings, Christmas parties. that you, you can't think of Christmas without having those experiences. Maybe it's Christmas movies. How many of you have maybe two or three movies that you watch every single year? Yeah, I see that. I mean, you, I, I, it was funny going into Christmas season this year. I was talking to Jennifer, and I'm like, you know, I don't really have to watch Christmas vacation again. But I did. I mean, it's one of those things. You know every line, word for word. We watch certain movies. Maybe yours is it's a wonderful life. Maybe it's elf. I mean, who knows what yours is, but we all probably have. It wouldn't feel like Christmas if we didn't have the chance to watch that particular movie or Rudolph or something, the the, the Charlie Brown Christmas special. It wouldn't feel like Christmas. If you didn't experience that for me, my most beloved Christmas tradition is a nativity set that my mom and dad gave to Jennifer and I 30 years ago. When we got married 30 years ago for our first Christmas together they gave us a Fontanini Christmas set. Any of you familiar with a Fontanini Christmas set? All right. I, I in fact want to show it real quick. Here's a picture of our Fontanini Christmas set we got the first year we got the crèche and we got Mary and and Joseph and Jesus. And then every year after that we added to it. But there's one of my favorite parts of the tradition about all of this is Jesus doesn't have to stay in the manger so right here you'll see there's the the shepherds the wise men are there the angels there and they're all looking at an empty manger Uh, let's let's zoom in let's take the next picture zooming in Jesus isn't there yet and then on Christmas Day we do this we we put Jesus in the manger (laughs) I mean you know what that is my favorite tradition That is my favorite tradition because every day I see that nativity scene and I see the empty manger and I long, I long for Christmas Day. We keep baby Jesus hidden. In fact, he's sitting on a bookshelf. Imagine this, just in front of a Bible. (laughs) But uh, there's a Stephen King book right beside it. (laughs) I was going to show a picture, but I thought that might seem weird. But uh, we hide baby Jesus. He's not there yet. Because it's this reminder to me throughout the whole season. I mean, it's this longing for the coming of Christ. I I see the emptiness of that manger, and it's not until Christmas morning that we put the way in the manger. It's not until Christmas morning that we recognize that Christ has come. And up until that, it's just a longing, it's just an empty manger. You know, in, in a lot of ways, that harkens back to the origins of the season of Advent. The season of Advent really is, has a long history that goes back to really just a few hundred, a couple, three hundred years after we believe the birth of Christ. And, and it really began as a 40-day period of fasting, not leading up to Christmas, but leading up to Epiphany, January 6th. And it was this forty-day period of fasting. Man, imagine that a a day of fasting. And how do we celebrate Christmas now? (laughs) By putting on the pounds. (laughs) But it was this day, uh, this forty-day period of fasting leading up to Epiphany, because Epiphany was so important because it signified several things, all of which point to why we continue to gather. Epiphany celebrated the birth of Christ. Epiphany celebrated the visit of the Magi. Epiphany celebrated the baptism of the Lord. Even the very first miracle uh, that Jesus uh, did, that Jesus performed at a wedding in Cana of Galilee, were all a part of this Epiphany celebration. And so there was this 40-day period of preparation. This 40-day, and it was very somber. I mean, that's why the colors of Advent are the same colors as those of Lent, because it's a time of longing. It's a time of preparation. It's a time of waiting. Now, eventually, as January 6th is the celebration of Epiphany, eventually there was a separate feast that was set up to celebrate the birth of Christ, and that was appointed... For December 25th and the second the separate celebration of the birth of Christ was a later development than the celebration of Epiphany in fact St. John Chrysostom wrote and told a congregation in 386 CE he said this day has now been brought to us not many years ago and has developed so quickly and borne such fruit and then a few days later as he's speaking about Epiphany he said why then is the day called Epiphany? Because it was not when he was born that he became manifest to all, but when he was baptized. For us, to this day, he was unknown to the multitudes. So, Epiphany is older than Christmas, and and Epiphany has a much deeper meaning. It's when God's glory was revealed to all. But eventually, this 40-day fast, preparing for Epiphany, it was shortened a bit. It was shortened and it was turned into four weeks called Advent, leading up to the birth of Christ. And it was interesting that in 380, there was a council in Spain that decreed that from December 17th until the day of Epiphany, before the whole feast of Christ was set up, from December 17th until January 6th, no one was permitted to be absent from church. No one was permitted to be absent from church. What, what is today? The 17th? Today's the 17th? Okay, so no one is permitted to be absent from church from January uh, December 17th until January 6th. So we've got service next Sunday, both morning and evening. <laughs> then New Year's Eve. Yeah. We've got a few times that we can gather together. No one is permitted. That, I mean, that, it's a council that decreed it. I mean, 380. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. But then this, this four-week feast, was the, this time of preparation called Advent, was set into place. And again, it was this time of sorrow. It was this time of, of preparing for the birth of Christ. I mean, preparing for a baby that would come to be born to die. I mean, that's, that's kind of bleak. That's kind of dark. But they felt like in the midst of this four-week period, there needed to be a day of celebration. And so they determined that the third Sunday of Advent would be known as, let me, I made sure I put it out phonetically so I could say it correctly, Gaudete Sunday. The third Sunday of Advent would be called Gaudete Sunday. And on that day, that word Gaudete is a Latin word that means rejoice because it was the very first words of the Latin mass that was to be shared on that day. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice that's right so the third Sunday of Advent would be a day not just of somber preparation but it would be a day of joy (laughs) and the candle's supposed to be lit just imagine that it's supposed to be a day of joy rejoicing there's a pink candle lit over there I see that candle thank you you want to stand over here no (laughs) it's a day of rejoicing And so the third Sunday of Advent is a day of joy. That's why we have pink instead of purple for this Sunday. Maybe you've always wondered, why do they have pink? Well, the the reason is pink is a color of joy. Pink is a color of rejoicing. And so this is a day to rejoice. And we come together and we worship and praise God and celebrate that our Christ is coming. Our Christ has come before. Our Christ is Emmanuel, God with us now. And our Christ will return. So we come and we rejoice And then we read scripture, and I read about John the Baptist. And it's kind of like, couldn't we pick a more joyful passage of scripture for the third Sunday of Advent? I mean, I want to get to the nativity. I want to get to the birth of Christ. I want to get to Bethlehem. And instead, we've got John out in the wilderness. But what is it he's doing? He's testifying. He's he's a witness. He's confessing. You know, as I read those scriptures, see it over and over and again. And John is trying to make this point. John, the gospel writer, is trying to make this point about John the Baptist. That John, he came as one that was going to tell the truth. He was not the light, but he was pointing to the light. He was coming to tell the truth that there was one coming. Oh, there was one coming that he wasn't even worthy to bend down and untie his sandals. There is one coming after him. That is going to make a difference in all the world. He's coming to testify that Jesus is on the way. Hold on. It may seem dark. It may seem bleak. It may seem hard. It may seem rainy. But the day is coming that that manger will not be empty. The day is coming that that manger will be filled. But the beauty is... That Jesus didn't stay in the manger just like Jesus didn't stay in a grave. Jesus that comes is the God that comes and is with us always. And we now are those who are, be, are called to be sent to be those that testify, those that confess, those that give witness that Jesus has come and that Jesus is within us. That is what our purpose is now and it is that that brings us joy. You know, Jesus didn't stay in the manger. Jesus comes to be with us. I'm reminded of years ago when my children were very small, much like the age of Pastor Corey's children. One evening, uh, I received a phone call that one of my beloved, uh, shut in members of the church had passed. And my boys knew this individual because sometimes when I would go visiting, I would take them with, with me to go visiting. And so they knew this person and, and it was just about their bedtime and I was having to go leave the house to go and to be with that family. And I remember going in to kiss the boys goodnight and I told them, I shared that this individual had passed and that she had gone to be with Jesus. You know, that's the kind of things that we as parents, as adults, say that they've gone to be with Jesus. And I'll never forget the voice of my son, Jacob, saying, "Uh uh-uh. I'm like, son, what? Uh Uh-uh. He said, she didn't go to be with Jesus. Because Jesus is in our heart. He was given witness to a reality that I think that you and I both know. That we feel the presence of God that is with us the God that didn't stay in the tomb, the God that didn't stay in the manger, He is God with us. He is the God that is within us. And when we have Jesus Christ within us, we can't help but be full of joy. (laughs) Even when the world tries to put put out our candle, we're going to continue to shine light. Because God is within us. So may we, like John, be those that even in the wilderness, even when people are questioning, may we just keep pointing. May we keep pointing to our Savior and the way that we see God who is within us. Let us pray. Lord, we can rejoice today because we recognize that there was one in the wilderness crying out, There was one in the wilderness crying out and preparing the way for Christ our Savior to come. We can rejoice today because we ourselves have had people in our lives who have helped us see that light. We rejoice today because there are those who have helped us to see that light within us. We rejoice today because we know that our Savior has come and our savior is God with us today God may we be those who wherever we go may we shine a light wherever we go may we be willing to give witness to testify to the reality that Jesus Christ has come and the world has never been the same since that because Jesus Christ has come into this world, we're able to see what love is. We're able to see the embodiment of love. And we ourselves are able to be that, a part of that embodiment of love. Not just here in this place. But when we go out into the world, we become the presence of Christ in the world. We give witness. We give testimony. So may we be so bold that wherever we go and in whatever we do, we point to the light that is you. God, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.